Welcome to today's off-season. A good morning to all our listeners across the Resonate Broadcast Network. Uh, good morning to everybody. 4SB in uh, Kingaroy, 4VL in Charleville. Good morning to Stretch, 4ZR in Roma, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM in Mount Isa, 4GC in Charters Towers, the Hot Country Network, and we're coming out of the chilly studios of 4LG Longreaches. I welcome Nick Backstrom to this delightful Sunday morning, <laughs> but gee, hasn't the temperature taken a turn? It has taken a turn. It's been... It's gone from refreshing to it's a bit chilly all, you know, in a couple of days, but that's Queensland for you. A bit, a bit chilly is a nice way to put it, Scott. Well, I kind of laughed when I saw you, Watsy, wearing your thermal underwear into the studio, but now I'm quite jealous because you're warm and I'm not, and hopefully everyone's sitting around, gathered around with a cup of tea listening to the great show. And uh, what would be your biscuit of choice? I'd probably go a Monte Carlo or a Kingston. If it's a sweet biscuit, and I'm more of a savoury man, but I'm going to go sweet biscuit, and I'm going to go the more unpopular choice of the orange. I don't know what they're called. The orange cream. But the, the orange cream. cream. Well, yeah. I think they're outstanding. They get yeah. left behind. So I usually, like the orange cream Oh, too. well, just <laughs> settle down. <up> there. <laughs> Do you know Captain one, Grumbles? <laughs> one biscuit that's been lost in translation is the iced vovo. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of the greats. Yeah, well, yeah. and I also like those little shortbreads with the cream inside. For whatever reason, they're not desired choices. Mm. Everyone goes to Monte Carlo. Overrated. I had two Monte Carlos oh, for breakfast you're yesterday lucky morning. We're socially distant thing. I would have taken a swing at you for that. <laughs> lucky we're inside our bubble suits. <laughs> a big, uh, big week in sport news. Uh, mm. Not too much action or zero action going on, other than racing, boys. And Scott, I'll start with you. Um, where the NRLs at at the moment with their resumption? Get your English correct uh, for May twenty eighth. It's looking. A possibility, but it is also looking like it's going to happen now. Palaszczuk's given the thumbs up. Well, obviously, what's they set the date knowing there were hurdles they needed to jump through, and I think they're jumping through some of those hurdles. Probably the biggest one at the moment was getting the approval of state governments, which which they now seem to have got. The New Zealand Warriors are bunking, bunkering down in Tamworth, so they're over here, so they're isolating 14 days, and they can start training. So from all reports, going to go ahead, but I've just got this little fear and, and trepidation that a player is going to do something ridiculously stupid mm. that throws the Like whole listen to Garth boat. Brooks? <laughs> As we are a country station, you're going to get a lot of fa- a fan yeah, hate yeah, mail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oops, um, I retract. Yeah, just these players, and you know what, Watsy? I reckon there's a lot of people out there that have probably broken social distancing rules. Yep. But they haven't been stupid enough to put it on social media. Mm. Yeah, I'll agree. So, like, you know, if you look, I'm not encouraging it at all, but we're in a day when there's cameras everywhere Pull your heads in. Nick, I'm going to swing to you uh, with your thoughts about the makeup of the new cricket squad. It's a couple of omissions, a couple of inclusions. Uh, Great to see Marcus Lubbershane uh, really uh, rewarded for his heroics. It's Mm. got to be said uh, through the ashes and our Australian summer. Um, Out Ilzman Kawaja, that's one that I'm a little bit surprised about because I think he actually brings something to the table. Yeah, I think Ilzman Kawaja is a very interesting character. He's not... The um, he's not the usual character that you get in a cricketer, and I think the uh, authorities that be have a trouble dealing with that. Mm. You know, um, you know, one of the Marsh brothers out, one in. That seems to be an obsession with the uh, selectors for some reason. I've never quite understood this contract system at all. As we saw, one, you know, Marnus Lubbershane was one of the absolute linchpins of the Australian team. Mm. Not on a contract. Mm. Now he is. But you, know, you watch, what, there's 20 players there, 15 women. There can be some absolute duds in there. I don't know who it's going to be, but they're going to be yeah. paying a lot of money to play no cricket. And, and we did talk about this during the week, Nick, and, and the contract system can be a little farcical. 
Mm, yeah, I, as I say, I don't quite understand it, and uh, I've never why they went for that. Why they went for that approach, I've never found that adequately explained. First up today, we talked to uh, ex-professional longboarder, now kids entertainer, <laughs> Lucas Proudfoot. Yeah, no, it's quite unusual because he's from the same neck of the woods as you. Very similar, but his sporting career went somewhere. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> not just dreams. <laughs> no, no, he's a great, great chat. Very uh, interesting fellow. I'll talk to uh, myself and Max Tanks. We'll talk to up and coming jockey who's heading to Longridge today. Uh, young Dan McGilvray, a brother of Group One winning Maddie, uh, Group One winning jockey Maddie McGilvray, uh, with his story to date, and he's riding at around twenty four percent. At the moment, winners, uh, runners to winners. So he, he's going. Is that a good great. percentage? Well, it is. So it, one, every one in every four he's getting on, he's winning on. Yeah. Um, most jockeys, decent jockeys, sit around that ten or eleven. Okay. Wow. Yeah, and uh, a lot sit around the four and the five. Jeez. Mm, so a lot, go, a lot go without feeds. <laughs> I was going to say ten percent. Yeah, yeah. And, and then we talked to a friend of the show and weekly guest Jamie Soward. Oh. The Beer Wars. Yeah, future best man Jamie Soward. Just a great bloke. Just Gee, the you're Beer Wars. Have one big bloody wedding party when it happens. But the Beer Wars are kicking off. I think it's just a, a fabulous idea. The Beer Wars and um, yeah, a few little hot rivals on there. And and please make sure, as of course, support your favourite show and podcast which is the off season but then get out and support Sweet and Sound as well and uh, interesting thoughts coming from Jamie Soward obviously a proud indigenous person himself with his thoughts about the boys who broke restrictions yeah I mean it's it's not this is not about there's no there's rules for everyone and it's not about you know where you come from or, or what's going on it, it's just a very a standard rule so yeah, I think he's disappointed, but but his livelihood is in the NRL as well. He's yeah. got a job in the NRL, and he has a podcast that talks about the NRL. So when these players act up, it, they're affecting everyone related to the game. So. Sit back. Yeah, yeah. Sit back, gather round. This is the off-season heard right across the Resonate Broadcast Network. Back with today's off-season. You can catch us right across the Resonate Broadcast Network, uh, 4SB, 4VL4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG and Hot Country. Max Tanks joins me in the studio. Welcome back to the off-season. Yeah, stepping in to um, talk to some of the more up-and-coming apprentices that we've got in uh, Queensland at the moment. Certainly, and uh, this young fellow... Uh Younger brother of uh, Maddie McGilvray, or Dan McGilvray, joins us on the line. Uh, good morning, mate, and uh, how are you travelling? Yeah, I'm going good. Travelling good now. Now, um, a lot of, is going real good. Yeah, a lot of our listeners uh, in the uh, 4ZR and uh, 4VL region would certainly know you, and I reckon by this afternoon uh, our 4LG listeners will know you. You're heading to Longreach today for a book of seven rides. Um, yep, that's right. So, seven rides. Hopefully everything goes well. Now, mate, tell us, take us back to where it all began. Obviously, racing's in your blood. Um, how, did, how did it all progress to your uh, riding ranks where you are today? You know, my dad was a trainer, and my brother is a great one winning jockey. And I didn't, I didn't want to go in racing. I wanted to do something different for my family. Yep. But in the end, I figured out, no, probably this is what I really, I'm really good at. So I gave it a little crack and got my first win for my first race ride and it's a cup race. I was pretty happy with that and given all the support from my family and it's, yeah, that's um, pretty much it, eh? It's like. a pretty good stable there, the, the Craig Smith stable to be um, to be yeah. apprenticed at. Tell us what he's like as a master because I know Maddie had he's such a successful good. relationship with him he as is. well. I reckon he's the best boss I'll ever have and yeah, he's been teaching me a lot of stuff like how to ride and how to pretty much dictate like racing and I watch replays with him and he'll just tell me what I do wrong and he'll teach me all what what I should improve and he'll just keep telling my mistakes without being angry or you know he's just trying to teach me how to 
Yeah. We had your brother Matty on the show uh, around three months ago, and he certainly gave you a big plug. Said you were a, a pretty good, handy little rider, and you've cracked. You've started your career off riding <laughs> at riding at twenty four percent winners. Uh, yeah. So yep. So I'll, I'll just, let's go back to you know you talked about how Craig's sort of molding you into um, becoming in this professional rider, and I'll take you back yep. to Dolby last weekend, and you're on the hot pot favorite there, Pogo, and he was really slow out of the barriers. Just yes, talk us was. through, you know, what goes through your mind there because you only have been racing, you know, for a couple of months now. So you probably haven't been in that position before, but, you know, he's come out tardy. Talk us through, you know, what goes through your head there as a young rider. Pretty much just don't panic when I, when he jumped out the gate real slow. I just wanted to put him there and I just went a little bit harder on him, but that's all right because he's got that re- really big stride on him. Well, he pretty much he's fit enough to to get there even though he was slow at the gate just kept pushing him along so that's how he started to get his first win now uh shane mcgovern rides mm. a little bit of work down there and he's known a yeah. bit as a as a kiwi pest up in this area how do you uh, how do you find working <laughs> with uh, with what i call everybody's favorite kiwi <laughs> <laughs> kiwi pest <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah he's all right he's good he's he's taught me a lot of stuff too you know he's he's an old rider he's a very experienced jockeys. Whatever he says, I, I do keep in mind and listen and try and put in race day. I talk to Zach Burton and tell him, what should I do? Can you watch my race? Can you figure out um, how to ride properly? Um, should I bring my irons up? Should I, how do you push a horse? Yeah, he'll just, he'll just give me all these little, little tips. Yeah. Going forward, I mean, where do you envision your career? Obviously, you know, Matty, he just went onwards and upwards. Do you see yourself obviously yeah. pushing into that city sort of grade eventually as well? Well, I hope so. I hope so. Well, um, I would really love to go Brisbane one day. Or if I can, I would like to push myself forward and probably go to Melbourne or Sydney. Yep. If I'm lucky enough or if I'm good enough. But for now, for this year... For my first year of apprenticeship, I might just hopefully I can just stack up some winners and get my name out there and do whatever, like mold up with my skills and my style and all that. You've certainly started off on the right foot. Uh, Dan McGilvray, thanks very much for your time this morning and contribution to the off season. Back with today's off season, and you can catch us right across the Resonate Broadcast Network on 4SB, 4VL, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG, and Hot Country. Nick, we taking a little bit of a turn here mm. away from sport but a, certainly a sports star in his own right before moving into uh, children's entertainment and learning. Yeah, no, it's going to be very different because uh, normally we talk to people who learnt their sports at Northern Rivers it's a career that goes nowhere. We hear endless stories about glory days back a long, long time ago. But here's someone who actually went somewhere. That's exciting. Yeah. And uh, we speak to uh, Lucas Proudfoot. Uh, good morning, mates, and a uh, long time between drinks, that's for sure. Definitely a long time, mate. Great to be here, and uh, yeah, it's awesome to chat. Now, mate, uh, tell us where it all began in in the uh, Northern Rivers districts of New South Wales. It all started for you as a, a longboarder. Yeah, well, I grew up around the ocean. Both mum and dad's family are up around the Tweed originally, and um, that's where they all come from. And uh, we were always in the salt water from a young age. Um, surfing was there. My dad's brothers surfed. My mum's brothers and auntie surfed, and mum surfed and dad surfed so it was sort of natural progression and uh yeah me and the brother um when we were living at lennox head where obviously we met as uh young followers um that's yeah where surfing really kicked off and tell us a bit about the longboard circuit and how you made it as a professional 
Yeah, well, being on the heavier side <laughs> growing up, it was um, kind of like uh, probably about 17 years old, there was a, a local surfer in our community. Um, he's a very, very good longboarder, and we just used to watch him get a, a lot of waves, and I thought to myself, you know, I wouldn't mind trying one of those those boards, and I had a go, and um, coming from a shortboard to the longboard, it was kind of like a bit of a, a, a challenge, but once I sort of got a hold of it, it was... Um, I never really looked back. I still ride shortboarders. The cool thing is you can just jump back and forth. But I found being uh, around that 95 to 100 kilo mark by 18, 19, it was kind of like that's where I wanted to go. And, and um, yeah, never really looked back. So I'm still doing it. I actually had a surf today for the first time in a, in, in a few weeks. So it was good to get out there, yeah. It's certainly a, bit, a breeding ground, isn't it, for champion surfers? Uh, the one and only Mick Fanning uh, crafting his trade around that area as well. Yeah, well, I you know, Surfing in around Cabarita, Kingscliff, and then up at Snapper Rocks and Coolangatta. I used to see Mick a lot growing up, still do that to, to this day. And, um, yeah, very inspirational. But um, good longboard waves up there and just a lot of good surfers. So any any day when the surf's pumping and even when I find down to Lennox Point and all those places, it's chock-a-block uh, full. But, um, yeah, mate, a lot, lot of good surfers, a lot of good surfers. Mate, it's hard work, isn't it, cutting a uh, career out in surfing? It's not like cricket or football where you've got a whole club behind you. It's more or less just you. Yeah, yeah it is, mate. It's, it's funny. It's I, I picked up sponsorship at about 18 or 19, and then once you got uh, a sponsor, you could sort of tag along and get onto the tour, and they would pay like an airfare and, and, and free clothing and that. And But you'd meet up with crew, and, you know, everyone's kind of supported each other. But you're right, it is a... It is a kind of a, a solo sport um, when it comes out when it goes out to competing. But um, yeah, I, I didn't mind it. I liked competing, but I got to about a couple of years in, and you know, I definitely look back on the the old footy days as, as being a, a little bit more fun because you could yeah you play as a team. But um, no, I definitely enjoyed it. Something different. Now take us forward to the current day and, and your work you do with kids and uh, your project called Circular Rhythm, which is. It's entertainment as well as education, and it reflects your proud Aboriginal culture. Yeah, definitely, mate. Well, mum and dad are school teachers, so I grew up in amongst schools. Um, and I got to about thirty. I was, I was always had a job. You know, I was, I was a baggy chandler for a few years, and 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 um, like a garden, like a gardener and whatnot. But I was always playing in bands, and and um, you know, obviously playing sport and surfing, but. I got to about 30 and mum and dad said, you know, you, you should, um, and I travelled a lot, so I thought to myself, you know, put that travel and uh, that culture from mum's side together and, and I thought I'd, you know, create a, a contemporary music cultural program that would go out into schools and, I guess, talk about my travels, but also talk, talk about the importance of story and culture, not just for Indigenous, for non-Indigenous, about being proud of where you come from. I love where I come from, growing up in the Northern Rivers and the... Tweed Coast, Bunjalung, Gujumbara area, and for me it was like, you know, I had that that platform for mum and dad to sort of echo some information, you know, get that information at starting point. For me, it was like that was yeah a natural step really. I, I grew up around school, so ten years later, I'm, I've uh, yeah do 250 plus shows a year in, in schools right across Australia, whether it's the Kimberley to Tassie to to rural Queensland and, and New South Wales, we go everywhere. So it's, it's been been a great great um great thing to do and i'm still doing it now so yeah i'm really i really love it yeah it's uh i've had to listen to a few of your songs it's a great combination of uh modern music and traditional aboriginal music as well did you have that uh music in your background like with education yeah mum and dad both 
played music from a young age. Um, a lot of my friends growing up all played in bands. I played in bands for a few years as well. And it was just, it was something that was always there. Mm. But I, I wanted to, if I did step into that education space, I wanted to kind of innovate in a way where I could sort of, you know, play these modern day instruments, but also blend them with, you know, a traditional instrument like the didgeridoo, but also give reference to where those instruments come from. The, the didgeridoo, traditionally known as a yeduck, he comes from the Arnhem Land region. It wasn't mm. played by all Aboriginal tribes traditionally. So just some of those little information bites is, was kind of pretty cool to share with the wider audience. And But music was, yeah, like a game. Mum and Dad played music at school, so I did too, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Along with uh, most entertainers, you'd be probably grounded at the moment and chomping at the bit to, to get uh, get your shows underway again. Yeah, 110%, mate. I've, I've been grounded for about two months. Um Slowly getting back into it now. Uh, online content with the uh, uh, Queensland Libraries and some uh, New South Wales schools. So they're often online content, which I'm, I've been putting together. I've actually started this week. So there's a, the, uh, there's a slow trickle of demand for that. But um, I think, yeah, schools will be back soon. But it's been a good break. I've got a six-month-old daughter at home and a four-year-old. So I'm kind of... Hands have been full anyway, so it's kind of like... <laughs> been full-time anyway. So, yeah, it's all good, though. Lucas Proudfoot, thanks very much for your time and uh, contribution to today's off-season, and I'll get you to introduce one of your songs. Yeah, mate, this is the Kangaroo Emu song, um, yeah, written a few years ago, but it's a favourite with all the kids. Hope you enjoy. This is the off-season heard right across the Resonate Broadcast Network.
Back with today's off-season, uh, heard right across the Resonate Broadcast Network. Scott Parkinson, it's time to catch up with our weekly NRL legend. Yeah, what a legend he is, Jamie Soud from the Sweet and Soud Podcast. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, thanks, boys. Uh, just keep looking in the mail for my uh, work apparel that comes through <laughs> now that I'm an employee. And nothing's coming through, so um, I have shot my address off to the boys a couple of times in the marketing department up there, but still waiting on my work apparel. Well, you should see us now. <laughs> it's, Sunday, it's Sunday morning in Western Queensland. Mate, uh, obviously making uh, headlines earlier this week was the uh, camping trip gone wrong. Uh, it ended up on social media and ended up in some pretty big fines uh, for a couple of the players. Are uh, your thoughts there, mate? Yeah, look, I think you know, it's a tough time. We all you know, are getting used to the situation going on worldwide. Uh, we're all craving hanging out with our family, friends, all that kind of stuff. Um, I guess it was disappointing in the fact that, you know, the, the game is, is trying to get back in to, to playing the season so that these guys can be paid and so everyone can uh, be able to, I guess, you know, have the footy back. But, you know, in, in saying that, look, hopefully they learnt from that lesson. It's an expensive lesson. It's an expensive family trip. Uh, but, yeah, my, I guess, own views on it were... I guess it was disappointing because they're trying so hard to get the game back. We don't need uh, to be in the news for the wrong things at the moment. And unfortunately, that's driven the conversation. And even the Nathan Cleary thing, I was disappointed in the fact that, you know, not only did the story come out, but then the lies after that. So uh, I understand the panic around the world at the moment. I think we all do. But, uh, you know, we're, we're all going through it. This isn't just a, an isolated thing. So we all need to chip in together and we all need to obey the rules. And and for me, Jamie, I think, you know, at this time, the NRL's got a real opportunity here for a real good news story. Um, and I think the NRL sometimes, you get these players that just kind of let the let the whole code, code down. So, I mean, what, what needs to be done is that, like, there's no real excuse, is there? I mean, they get enough education, they get enough, you know, guidance on what they need to do. But what, what else can be done? Yeah, well, I mean, there's always training. I think you, you make a decision, and probably, you know, at the time you, you make a decision whether it was to go camping or, you know, Nathan lets his sister's friends in just for five minutes, and you don't realise probably the end result uh, mm. at that time. And, you know, after the, the fact, it's like after we do the interview, you know, every time you, if you're conscious of all that stuff, I've had players where I interview them, and then afterwards they say, oh, can I just listen back to it to make sure I didn't say anything? So, um, I, I just, you know, the, the training and everything happens out there. Unfortunately, they've made a few mistakes, these guys. Hopefully they've learned from it. But the opportunity for the NRL at the moment is to be the first, you know, sport back worldwide. Yep. So that coverage can be worldwide. We can be on ESPN in America. Uh, we can we can show, instead of us going overseas to recruit people to help improve our game, maybe, you know, the NFL employs some of the NRL guys uh, the mm. Players Association, whatever, to be able to go over there and what did you do to get your competition going? Right, this is the guy we need to help run our competition yeah. with players. So um, I just, I, I was just disappointed that the fact that we all need to be able to, we're in this together and we need, if the players want to get paid and we want the footy back and all that, we all need to just be very, very careful so we can get the game back. Very valid point. Now, the Sweet and Sour podcast, Beer Wars, they're into round two. And I'm going to pluck out three really interesting matchups for mine. Tui's new versus Carlton draft, Corona v Asahi, and probably the game of the round for mine, 150 versus Furphy. Yeah, look, it's uh, we went uh, 
gangbusters last week. Uh, super sellers were, I guess, blown away. We had a meeting with them on Monday, and we went in and uh, topped ourselves up uh, with about 10 or 12 cases. So uh, knowing anyone that knows me knows that I, know, I love anything free, and, I, and I'll happily <laughs> say that. So I think we went in and picked up about 12 cases for the for the Derricks and myself just to be able to make sure that we're testing all the product. And, uh, look, the matchups are really good. Tilly's new beer, Carlton Draft. Carlton Draft, for me, is not one of my favourite beers. Tilly's new, I've, I was brought up on Tilly's new. So, They're going to get votes, um, though, aren't they? They are getting good votes. See, Tilly's new was up against it until we went to social media, uh, the Instagram. So you can vote on Twitter, at Sour Official, but the Instagram one is the one that has all the votes. We do that Friday afternoons at 5 o'clock. Um, we're seeing a lot for Bloke in a Bar, which is a Queensland beer with Ben and Kemp. We're seeing Hawks Lager. That's a that's a tough matchup. Uh, 150 Lashes uh, has been pretty good, but Asahi Corona, all those ones, the matchups are, are tough. And you know, all the people that are inboxing me and saying I can't believe you had this beer against that beer. Well, if you want to be the best beer, you have to beat all of them. That's and, right. Uh, I'm I'm not going to listen to um, you know people that. If they want to run a competition, they can do it themselves. But we're, we're having fun, uh, you know, a little bit of fun here doing what we're doing and we're enjoying it. And, Jamie, you talked about, you know, obviously knowing the content. I'm sure any uh, bottle shops in Longreach will be keen to send you a few cartons of beer your way. Is there one that you hadn't really tried but you've kind of developed a love for? I tried a Furfies uh, for the first time uh, the other day doing a, a promotion to, to get people to Instagram to vote. So uh, the Byron Bay one I haven't tried, but... Uh, all these craft ones. I think the pale ales uh, probably something that you can't have, maybe three or four, you know, and then you move on. But um, I'm, I'm enjoying the the lager side of things. Yeah. Where I can enjoy those. And the first is just pretty good the other day. The Last Dance is certainly a documentary on Netflix that's capturing the imagination of oh a wide scope of people. And uh, <laughs> two more episodes behind us, mate. And uh, Dennis Rodman. What a character, what a career, and I think it really brought Phil Jackson to the fore. What a great basketball mind he has. Yeah, definitely. I think for anyone that's, uh, well, we've all got a bit of time at the moment, but go on and listen to Sports Wars and uh, the Kobe Shaq uh, dynamic in that one. There's the Michael Jordan one by Isaiah Thomas, and there's the Kobe and Shaq one, and you, the message you get away from apart from the players is how important Phil Jackson was to both Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal and Michael Jordan in their careers because to be able to manage egos is such a big thing but to be able to get your best player to buy into the philosophy that may not have been uh, working you know, ahead of the time so he's convinced Michael Jordan to give up the scoring title to win championships and that's the end goal but the way he did it by bringing Dennis Rodman in for that last three-peat uh, by going in and, and changing things up, you know, the last dance, that whole thing Imagine coaching, knowing that this is your last year after you've won two championships in a row, you've got the best player in the world, and and the Chicago Bulls want to get rid of you. That takes a real amount of character, discipline to be able to stay with the course because they didn't start the season well. Uh, Dennis Rodman wants to go on holidays. You know, Phil Jackson, I don't think the Zen master really got enough credit for, and I think he will now, much like Scottie Pippen in episodes mm. two. Uh, they will get the credit after this documentary because what an amazing effort to go through all that adversity in terms of this is your last year, um, we, you've won five out of the last seven years and we're going to get rid of you. It's, it's unbelievable. Hey, Jamie, one of the, we talked about the big takeaway, Dennis Rodman. I mean, a guy who, again, I think is a little underappreciated for his on-court 
ability because I guess of his off-court dalliances. Should we call him that? If you can call Carmen Electra a dalliance. <laughs> but um, mate, I just want to know: is there anyone? I'll call that, it a win. <laughs> but someone that you kind of played with, like in the locker room, who's you know kind of a bit different um, socially or personally, but then pulls the results together, or, or had to be managed a little bit differently by the coach. I know um, Greg, Greg Alexander yesterday said Mark Guy was a very Dennis Rodman uh, type character in his day. Was there anyone that you can think of? Yeah, I think, look... Um, Wendell Saylor yeah. again? <laughs> yeah, Wendell Saylor. But a lot of our... You know, those guys grew up in a different time. You know, there was no social media. They could go and do whatever they wanted. Uh, the vision of Dennis Rodman partying, you know, would have gotten would have taken two or three days to cut up and get out. You know, now it's, it's on your phone within 30 seconds. So... Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I guess guys that you know they they was they kept to himself like Bo Scott. He just kept to himself. You know, um, get, never really got the credit. Was never going to ever be our best player in terms of in the media or the fans' eyes. But did a lot of that stuff that made our team so great. So um, unfortunately, you know, I would love to have been able to tell you a great story, but we don't have any because <laughs> social media is around and uh, would have been frowned upon if if someone had said, "I want to go on holidays." Uh, I think what what the Dennis Rodman part to me, boys, is, and it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts. Actually, is for someone who's on you know ten million dollars to be able to say I need a break to to be able to let loose, and for Phil Jackson to let that happen, Michael Jordan, blah blah, blah and come back in. Yeah, you know, now if someone did that in Australia, it's the difference with Australian you know, society is we'd always say what a wanker. Oh, he's never happy. Oh, you know he's struggling with all that mental stuff. Some guys just need to let loose, mm. and some guys can manage that, and I think Phil Jackson did that. Yeah, it's an amazing story, and uh, can't wait until next week for the next two episodes. Jamie Soud from the Sweet and Sour podcast, our best way to get in contact and uh, like and subscribe. Yeah, you can go on Twitter, at Sour Official 6. Uh, make sure you leave your comments. Um, you know, well, I'm happy to interact with the fans as long as they're, um, you know, they're witty and smart. If, they, if they're bagging me, boys, I don't mind it if they're smart. But uh, it's the strongos that get on and they just have their opinion and you just can't, you know, you can't reason with them. So uh, you can do that or at Sour Official on Instagram to vote for the Beer Wars. But we're having great fun and love catching up with you Pelicans every week. Thanks for your time, mate. And uh, we'll do it all again next Sunday. Too easy. Thank you. This is the off-season heard across the Resonate Broadcast Network. That's about the off-season done and dusted for this third day of May 2020. Uh, and big thanks to all our listeners and all our contributors today, including Lucas Proudfoot, Dan McGilvray, and friend of the show, Jamie Soud, for their contributions. Don't forget to like and subscribe us on Facebook. Uh, and if you've missed any ep- episode, catch them up on our podcast. And Scott Parkinson, today's probe or today's rate of origin yeah so we've covered a few sports and movies and events and all sorts of things and then give me a bit of change next week where you actually get to vote um yep. to compare two things which is the better but we're going to afl we're going to gabby gary ablett jr probably should get his name right um has been voted the best player of the last 20 years mm. um so, yeah, where does he sit? Overrated, underrated, or properly rated? And I go to um, our AFL, current AFL expert, Bobby Cooper, for his thoughts. Well, obviously, yes, he's currently probably one of the best footballers playing around today. To associate him with others going way back in the history of the game, I think is a bit far-fetched. Um, obviously, you have positions that you play in football, and if you're an on-ball or a ruck-rover sentiment, you're in the play the whole time. But if you're a full forward, you're only in the play about 25% of the time. And you're sort of relating him to, say, 
say you relate him to a full forward and full forward kicks 150 goals in a season, and in 10 seasons he might kick, kick the 100 five or six times. Pretty hard to uh, say he's not better than Gary Ablett, isn't it, when you think about it? Do you think he's probably the greatest we've seen in the past 20 years? Yeah, he'd, he'd have to be. He'd have to be. He's played in what? I think Geelong have won premierships in that period. He's won two Brownlows. Injury robbed him of a third Brownlow. And that was at the Gold Coast? Uh, yes, I think he missed about six or seven games in the season. And he still only just got pipped. So you feel he's rated correctly at the greatest in the past 20 years? Yeah, I go along with that. There's Bobby Cooper's thoughts. And uh, look, uh, not a game goes by that Bobby doesn't miss, Nick. I know the three of us are probably AFL novices, but uh, <laughs> he's one of the few names that are household names yeah, you know, Australia-wide. Oh, yeah, for sure. And he was he basically went to the Gold Coast because he'd run out of challenges mm. at Geelong. And very few players in any code or any sport get to the point where they go, well, I've got nothing else to prove mm. <laughs> except bringing a club up from its bootstraps. Yep. So I'm going to say fairly rated. Yeah. Scott? I want to disagree uh, with the fairly rated. And I don't think he moved Geelong purely because of challenge. I think it probably had something to do with the $2 million or whatever he was he was given to go down there. I think he's a great player. And I'm not going to pretend to know anywhere near as much as the great Bobby Cooper. But what I'm going to go to is I'm going to look at two other players. I'm going to look at Michael Voss and I'm going to look mm-hmm. at Luke Hodge. And I'm going to look at premierships. Now, if, if Gary Ablett Jr. wins a premiership on the Gold Coast, he is not just the greatest player of the 20 years. He is the greatest player ever, in my opinion. He didn't do that. I don't think the Gold Coast had much, if any, success while he was there. He did have individual success. So that, that is a good thing. I'm going to say four premierships to Luke Hodge. I'm going to say three to Michael Voss. And I'll say Gary Ablett is somewhere in the top three. I'm going to say overrated. Yeah, well, I, I, you skipped in. I, I went the wrong way there. But I, I thought he was fairly rated as well. And um, it was so that's a, three it was, to one. I know this is your segment. Uh, but you know. uh, and, he, and he was, <laughs> I think, um, what he did at the Gold Coast was... He attempted to do something that no one's ever done before, and that was, you know, be the marquee player. And he was basically surrounded by kids. Um, and, and nearly winning a Brownlow, yes. I mean, he, he was the shining bald head beacon that the referees could see all the game, and that's how he got the votes. <laughs> but, um, look, in all fairness, uh, he's done some great things. And, and the father-son combination, there's none better, that's for sure. Well, that's Senior exactly and right. And, Nick, I take your point, it's 3-1, to one, but at the end of the day... Doesn't matter what you guys think. It matters what I think. And he's overrated. He's he's starting to sound like Jamie Soward. (laughs) Boys, thank you very much for your time. Always a pleasure uh, here on the off-season. Scott, thank you very much. Thank you, my friend. And uh, Nick, uh, we'll be uh, catching up shortly for uh, 4LG Radio at some capacity. (laughs) It's what's he signing out of the off-season. Thanks for your time this morning and have a great weekend.